The following program is presented by the Far East Broadcasting Company because stories of people living out the gospel with their lives inspire all of us. FEBC, taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. Learn more at febctoday.org. I understand the basic dynamic of service, but this by far has been the hardest thing that I've ever done. But I also have understood that anything that you do great for God is going to require great sacrifice and great energy and effort. Our guest today on First Person is the Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America, Percy McRae. Welcome, I'm Wayne Shepherd, and I invite you to listen as we hear Percy's story, as well as how your church can get involved in a cancer care ministry. Before I introduce our guest, please take a moment when you have a chance and visit our website to learn more about the Far East Broadcasting Company, who makes these weekly conversations possible. FEBC is a gospel-centered ministry that broadcasts in 50 countries of the world, always in the local language. For more, click on the FEBC banner at firstpersoninterview.com. At the same website, you'll find our archive of past programs to listen to, as well as the schedule of what's coming up in the weeks ahead. It's all at firstpersoninterview.com. The interview you'll hear today comes in two parts. Part one, featuring Percy McRae's own story, recorded on the telephone, was broadcast a few years ago. The second half of the interview was recorded just recently in our studio as we were preparing our podcast, Health, Hope, and Inspiration. Here's Percy. My job and my function at the Cancer Treatment Centers of America is that I am the newly appointed National Director of Spiritual Faith-Based Programming. And uh, in that context, I am responsible for all of the the national uh, messaging and content uh, that relates to our spiritual programs and outreaches that we have within the Cancer Treatment Centers of America. Uh, align all of our five sites with our, our corporate um, goals, functions, and messaging and outreach as it pertains to uh, spiritual care and specific to the evangelical Christian community. So we're really excited, uh, really, as a healthcare organization to have uh, a corporate appointment that is dedicated to a spiritual outreach and messaging and content. And so uh, I'm very excited to be part of that here at the Cancer Treatment Centers of America. Yeah. Well, I want to learn more about this job, but I want to learn more about you too, Percy. So you got to tell me your story, um, your background, and how you got involved with this in the first place. I grew up uh, a native of the greater Chicagoland area, uh, born and raised there. My mom and dad and all of my family are part of, of the the great uh, culture of Chicago. And in that uh, my uh, on my mom's side of the family, uh, a strong church family. I am a, a third generation uh, pastor uh, on my mom's side of the family. I had two great uncles who were pastors, and one uncle who pastored a pretty large uh, Church of God congregation there on the south side of Chicago. So church was the family business, and and so we went to church every day, uh, almost <laughs> and almost all day uh, in that regard. And so um, I, I really was oriented around the service of people and servicing people and, and glorifying God and, and, and helping to um, 
advance the dynamic of growth of, of people's spiritual well-being. And in doing that, uh, received a calling into the ministry at a relatively young age, but really fought and ran against that. Uh, I thought I was going to be a professional basketball player and tried to pursue that dream until I ran head on into the reality that my talents were only going to take me but so far. And uh, and, and so being uh, uh, helped along the way by the Holy Spirit, who was, was trying to convince me otherwise, I uh, went out and, 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 and really began the quest of trying to figure out who, who I was and, and what I was supposed to do in life. And as a result, quite frankly, of a, uh, almost a near-fatal tragic accident my, mm. that my dad experienced uh, in Chicago, the Lord really got my attention and said, you know, in these words within myself, are you going to do what I really want you to do? And and that really was a moment of clarity for me. And so I was about 28, 29 years of age, and, and I bounced around a little bit. I was in the military, and I had done a couple other things and, and uh, realized that it was time for me to really uh, buckle down and get serious about this calling that I knew that I had since about the age of, of 16 to preach and teach and, and represent the gospel in some capacity as a minister. And so so um, reversed gears drastically and went back to school and uh, relocated to uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, and attended Rama Bible Training Center and uh, began my formal education into the ministry. And the world literally opened up to me in, in a way that, that I could not have imagined. And as a result of that, I uh, had an encounter with an organization uh, that was seeking uh, ministers or chaplains to work within their facility, the Cancer Treatment centers of America, and I really fought against that. Didn't understand hospital chaplaincy and ministry. Didn't know a lot about it, and, and really thought, quite frankly, that there was not an opportunity to do real grunt yeoman's ministry within inside uh, a hospital healthcare system because of some of the political correctness and things that, that have to be understood and, and uh, adhered to, and um, was given an opportunity, quite frankly, to do some things that really... Uh, uh, shifted who I was as a human being and and ministry for me and and opened up an entire avenue of things that I am now twenty years later uh, still heavily invested in within the organization of the Cancer Treatment Centers of America now its national director of spiritual programming and 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 faith based uh, programming within the United States of America and so it's been an interesting journey and I'm yeah. very grateful for what God has done with me and doing uh, with me in that. Capacity. Well, Percy, you've given me a lot to explore here. Uh, Can I take you back to your dad, though? Tell me more about how something happened to your dad that shaped your calling. It did. It really, truly did. And, and you know, you hear a lot of these amazing uh, stories and, you know, as some people have kind of labeled come-to-Jesus meetings, I had a come-to-Jesus moment. Uh, you know, I had, had accepted Christ at, at the age of 13 and, and uh, knew I was called into ministry at a youth convention session at the age of 15. And uh, But again, really rejected that, ran from that. I didn't want to have anything to do with that. And, and I really wanted to pursue some other desires. And in that, um, at, at the age of 
28, uh, I was living in Charleston, South Carolina. I was selling cars, actually. I had gotten in the car business and was doing very well and uh, loved the car business, and the car business loved me. And so I thought that was a marriage that was going to last forever and received a phone call one day from home, from Chicago, that my dad had been uh, abducted off of work. Mm. Uh, he, he worked the second shift, and on his way to his car, uh, he was abducted by two uh, individuals and was driven down the road and the street there, and he opted to uh, jump out of the vehicle and got hit by a truck. Oh. And so he was thrown in the air about 20 feet and landed on his head and had substantial injuries, uh, short-term memory loss, two broken legs, a uh, ruptured spleen, a broken collarbone. He was in the intensive care unit about 30 days, and he was in a coma for about 20 of those days. And so um, that was a huge jolt to my system. My dad was my idol, my role model, a uh, superior athlete. He was in the prime of his life, and, and he was just basically cut down. And that really uh, that arrested my attention where the Lord could speak to me, and he did, mm. and, and, and really got me to understand that tomorrow is not promised to any of us and you know what what was I going to do with my life and I needed to to make haste in getting in order the things that that he had set in my heart to do and so my dad is still with us today thank God but he has been uh, disabled since that time and my mom takes care of him but that was the time and the moment that the Lord used to arrest my attention to speak to me and I made a drastic shift as a result of that and it was um, it was timely believe me when I tell you yeah so now as a chaplain, director of pastoral care there at uh, Cancer Treatment Centers of America, I mean, that, that, those hard times with your family have really given you a, a, a platform of understanding with people when they go through those tough days. True, it really is true. You know, uh, I flew in, and I can recall very vividly uh, my mom and my family sitting at that bedside, and, and my dad with tubes and and all of this machinery, and 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 just experiencing uh, the hospital and the healthcare system in a way that I had never experienced before, and really uh, watching uh, my family struggle with, and as I was as well, teetering on if my dad was going to live or die. You know, fast forward you know, working now uh, some 20 years at the bedside of cancer patients and supporting their families and really coming to terms with addressing the issue of mortality and where is God in the midst of this and your faith being challenged. It it certainly was a a transition that I did not know I was being prepared for, and yet here I am, and I'm grateful that that the Lord saw fit to allow me to to have some insight and some understanding firsthand. And and so uh, I've had the opportunity to support hundreds and thousands of patients and their family members at the bedside dealing with uh, the issues of life and death and cancer. What do you love most about your job, Percy? You know, it's a great question. And and the, the thing that I love the most by far is is the unique opportunity of being able to be trusted by individuals who will allow you to accompany them on their journey, that there is uh, no uh, cookie-cutter format, there is no script that, that you know you can use, that, that every unique situation unfolds into an unbelievable experience of relationship and the ability to provide compassion and to really uh, 
put yourself in a place of saying, how can I aid and assist you through a really difficult time? It is, it is, it has challenged me in my humanity. It has forced me to grow and expand. It's forced me to learn how to deal with other cultures and races and social political backgrounds and to really dig into what I think and believe was the heart of the ministry of Jesus Christ. And that is to, to avail yourself to the humanity of the hurt and the suffering with the love of Christ. And that has been the most unbelievable uh, blessing that I've had and that I've enjoyed uh, in this journey so far. Coming up next, Percy McRae, our guest today, will join me here in the studio. That's just ahead on First Person. I decided to escape North Korea after listening to FEBC's broadcast. I was able to keep my faith firm by listening to your programs. Just one of millions of grateful people who listens to the Far East Broadcasting Company in her own language. You can sign up for a free online daily devotional from FEBC telling more listener stories while at the same time it encourages you from God's Word. Receive this online devotional without obligation when you visit firstpersoninterview.com. My guest is Percy McRae. Percy is Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. And we're in the studio now. A few minutes ago, you heard a conversation, Percy, you and I had on the telephone a couple of years ago, actually, when we first met. Yeah, it was uh, really my first really introduction directly with you and the work that you've done. I've heard about you over the years, of course, with the work that you've done. But it was our opportunity to ha- to have a direct conversation about the work that I do and what I'm involved in. Well, since that was recorded, what we've heard thus far in the program today, you and I have done, I don't know how many podcasts together, mm-hmm. a couple of hundred probably, mm-hmm. uh, called Health, Hope, and Inspiration. And it's uh, on behalf of Cancer Treatment Centers of America. And so we know each other so much better. And what I've learned about you in the meantime is what I want to update this interview with, because you have a real burden for the church to get involved in cancer care. I do. Um, And again, part of that discussion that we had was talking about the work that I do as a chaplain and being involved in health care. And through that process, uh, what became very clear to me, Wayne, was that there was an apparent need that was not being met for various different reasons of addressing uh, empowering the health, the faith-based community around conversation and support specific to cancer, the cancer community, their caregivers. And I found out by experience and interaction that many pastors simply did not have any resources. They didn't have any real insight. I think they had a desire, but because of lack of information, lack of knowledge, as the Word of God says, uh, they just shot away from the conversation and shot away from the approach of thinking about specific ministry to that audience within the context of what they do. When you stop and think about it, is there a church out there that hasn't been touched in some way or another by cancer, either a church member, a church pastor, staff member, extended family member? Every church is affected by cancer. Well, certainly at this point in time of this recording, I think that it is very safe to say and fair to say that there is not any social group, specifically the the church community, that on some level has not been directly impacted, either from senior leadership, the family of senior leadership, and certainly members of the congregation who on some level has had to deal with the impact, and in some cases, severe negative impact of cancer within their community. Yeah. So you've created what you call Our Journey of Hope. Uh, describe the program to me. Our Journey of Hope 
uh, is a vision and a dream that was driven from a encounter with a patient that I had uh, at the bedside. And long story short, uh, patient responded very favorably to the spiritual support that was being provided to them at their bedside, came back a month later and expressed that thought and asked if I would be willing to sit down and speak to her local church leadership and her pastor's consortium of pastors within his community to share tidbits and insights of what is being done or can be done mm-hmm. from a bedside perspective within the framework of healthcare and ministry. So that's how it started. And that's how exactly how it started. Uh, that pastor pulled together probably some 30 pastors out of his community. I set up a little screen and did a little PowerPoint presentation <laughs> around some things to think about from a healthcare perspective and a cancer care perspective that ministers and pastors and people of faith need to think about in terms of addressing individuals who are battling cancer and how to be more effective in that communication and interaction. There's a lot to talk about here, but how do you approach it? Is this something you have to put on the shoulders of the pastor? You certainly do, because ultimately uh, you and I and and hopefully many of the people that are listening to this interview are part of the faith community. And historically, the faith community has has a structure and has a system. And uh, though that may be being challenged on some level by individuals of how relevant is the pastor, uh, the church structure has spiritual leadership and the pastor sits at the top of that process and basically is the guardian or the shepherd or the gatekeeper, if you will, of that group of people in terms of things that they think about, things that they are listening to and that is empowering them to be better people of faith within the world that they live in. And so the pastor certainly needs to be part of the discussion of, number one, understanding the severe impact and the great need that cancer has placed upon members of churches and faith-based individuals, and then fundamentally what can and what should we do as an organization to address that in terms of supporting those members. So without the pastor's input or involvement, then there can be no effective structured approach to really right. having that conversation. The pastor has to have the vision. The pastor has to, has to have the vision. Uh, embrace that vision, and then cast that vision to the congregation. But the work can be the work of the saints, the the members of the church, the leadership, other leaders. That is correct. According to the word of God, God did not call the fivefold ministry to do the work of the ministry. He called the fivefold ministry to perfect or equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. So again, his or her job would be to equip Uh, to cast a vision, to provide resources and mechanisms that will be implemented within the structure and the order of the congregation and then empower the saints to then execute that ministry. And and quite frankly, uh, by and large, particularly when we talk about this subject, Wayne, there are many people sitting inside of local congregations, former nurses, former doctors, uh, individuals who have been impacted directly by cancer who would love to get involved somehow with a ministry that is focused around that subject inside of their local church Mm -hmm. if they are equipped and if they are being uh, given license, if you will, not in a literal sense, but from a vision perspective of the local church by the pastor that we are now going to start addressing this issue within our congregation. Yeah, Even people who become caretakers of their own family members have learned a lot and maybe have developed a burden to help others as a result of that. Well, one of the things that you have learned and I've known over the years It's an amazing dynamic that happens with cancer patients and caregivers, particularly when they finish their treatment and their care and they get on the other side of what 
we call being a survivor and being healed and et cetera, they feel obligated that there's something that they need to do with that experience. They want to get back. Mm -hmm. So in many cases, many of those folks internalize, and I believe rightfully so, that God has given them the burden of a ministry of cancer, but they have no place to express or execute that. Though they're sitting inside of local churches and sitting inside of church structures. So it is a perfect marriage, if you will, of that milieu of people from an experience perspective with also feeling called and led by God that this is something that I need to do. They now need a platform to be able to execute that from. And the local church is the perfect platform to begin to start springboarding that type of ministry with their experience. I'm so glad God has given you a vision for this because it it encompasses a lot of churches. How has it grown from that first PowerPoint presentation with that that one screen that you put up? Uh, What's happening today? Well, Interestingly enough, and that's been a, a, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, you know, sweat equity uh, that has taken place. But what I can report as of today, uh, because we now have more of a structured approach to, you know, versus the little PowerPoint presentation that I once had <laughs> and follow up and being able to have a sense of uh, what type of affect does this training and does this messaging have to local churches and structure is that we're now, you know, well over 1,200 Uh, churches that have basically been trained with a structure of approach of cancer care ministry through the Our Journey of Hope program. And in that, we have well over 400 active cancer care ministries that are engaging their local churches and their local communities. And I believe that that number is even higher, but we just simply don't have reference to any of that. But that number has grown and continues to grow as we speak. Yeah, that that really is great. Okay, who should participate in Our Journey of Hope? Who's it open to? Our Journey of Hope, first of all, is a free program. So there is no uh, fiduciary responsibility that we've placed upon anyone open to any faith-based organization, specifically churches uh, that has some sort of spiritual leadership. Uh, Once upon a time, we allowed virtually anyone to attend the training. And through trial and error, we, we realized that we really need to have individuals that are committed to a structured organization of someone that can hold them accountable mm-hmm. with the resources that we place in their hands. So that's the only reason why we we put that limitation. But any local church of any specific religious denomination or theological orientation, so this is not denominationally limited or driven in any way, of anyone who is part of the faith community and members of that church, deacons, deaconesses, uh, laity, uh, associate pastors, anyone that's part of that organization that answers up to someone's spiritual authority that will say that they authorize them uh, to become part of this training, that they will be able to go back to that local church and actually begin and start a cancer care ministry. Yeah, you can't possibly go to all these churches. So you put these seminars uh, together and churches and individuals come to you. So we used to go to churches. We used to try to go to any open door that was available to us. And of course, it wasn't many doors that were open to this school of thought. So initially, we thought that that was very manageable. And then we realized that uh, from a scale perspective, more and more doors began to open up unto us. And we simply could not, we didn't have the resources and the manpower to, to go to every church that desired to have this training. So we sat down and took a real good hard look at our execution and our strategy. And so we reversed that process. And instead of going out to local churches, We now have participating regional cancer care treatment centers of America, uh, hospital sites that that host training so that people can come to those 
uh, facilities with specific dates, multiple dates throughout the year, uh, throughout the country, that we host now groups of 40 to 50 pastors or spiritual leaders who sit in a kind of a clinical classroom environment and begin to get oriented and trained with this program. Our guest has been Reverend Percy McRae, Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. And if you'd like additional information about the Our Journey of Hope and what your church can do to prepare for cancer care ministry, please visit firstpersoninterview.com. There you'll find links to follow. You'll also be linked to the podcast, Health, Hope, and Inspiration, which Percy and I host each week. That's firstpersoninterview.com. These interviews can be easily downloaded for listening anytime on the go by using our smartphone app, First Person Interview. It's available in your app store. Just search for First Person Interview. Next week, our guest will be the young widow of Christian apologist Nabil Qureshi, who died last year. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us next time for First Person. First Person.